Okay, um, we are going through the Sermon on the Mount, and so right now we're in Matthew chapter 5, it is referenced in Luke uh, as well, and we will be there in Luke chapter 6 in just a moment, and in Matthew chapter 5 we covered last time uh, verses, verses 1 through 12, but we'll pick up a little bit more on that. Let me just reiterate again, what is the Sermon on the Mount as a unit, as a whole? As a whole, it is the Messiah's interpretation of the righteousness of the law. And it's a repudiation of the Pharisees' interpretation of the righteousness of the law. This is not Christian ethics for our day. There are many great passages in here that we can pull out and use. These were, they were underscored later in the epistles, and that becomes Christian ethics for our day. But this was using the law, the law of Moses, to bring out the heart behind the law. So the Pharisees were teaching, do this, do this, do this, and Jesus gets to the heart of the law. And it was the oral law, in fact, not even the law of Moses, because Jesus again and again will say, you have heard it said, you have heard it said, you have heard it said, which tells us that he's referencing the oral law. The written law of Moses, he always refers to it, it is written, it is written, it is written. Okay, so in uh, picking up in, in Matthew chapter 5, let's pick up from uh, verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And now let's turn over. So you see, he's saying, blessed are you, blessed are you if you do this, blessed are you. So all the way down from verse 3 down through verse 11, he's saying, blessed are you, or that word blessed can be interpreted happy. Happy is probably even a better interpretation because the, the sense here is that you will be happy if you do these sort of things. So he says in verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now let's turn over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. So the, the, the Sermon on the Mount is recorded in two of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke. And Luke, of course, uh, uh, only summarizes it and picks out different things that Matthew himself did not record. Uh, he, he took different verses than, than Matthew did, different sayings of Jesus. So Jesus was saying many things. Matthew recorded some of those, and Luke recorded others of those that he had based on the testimony that he had received. And if you see see in, uh, uh, let's start reading in Luke chapter 6 from verse 20. And turning his gaze towards the disciples, he began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and, and hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when men speak well of you, for the fathers used to treat the, the false prophets in the same way. 
So, you see that he goes from blessed, 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 or happy, happy, happy are you, to woe, woe, woe. So he's giving now the contrasting point. And he says, he says in verse 21, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. In other words, we mentioned this last week, the weeping over our sin, those who have sensitivity to their sin. If we don't take our sin seriously, it will draw us from God. You want to know the prescription for drawing yourself away from God? Continue to participate in sin. Continue to do this without saying, Lord, forgive me. I am sorry. Father, change my heart. And that doesn't mean that you only say it once. There are things that we struggle with throughout our lives that we're asking God to help us. But am I weeping over this? Or do I just take it flippantly? You will draw yourself away from your relationship with God through sin. That is the thing that God shows us, draws us away. Um, In verse 22, Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. Wow, what a contrast. I mean, how can you do this? You've heard people maybe say to you something that's hurt your feelings because of your testimony of Jesus. Jesus said, rejoice and be glad. Look at the way he turns this thing. Why would he tell us rejoice and be glad? He says, your reward in heaven is great. You know, I used to do door-to-door witnessing when I was in college and in graduate school. And and, uh, uh, there around, particularly in graduate school, well, when I was an undergrad, all the houses around where we lived in this neighborhood, we'd hit up to share with Christ. But when I was a graduate student, I led a ministry with some other students, and we used to go knocking on doors, just two by two, go knocking on doors. And I always thought it was interesting that you know, the person would open the door and I'd say, Hi, my name's Jim Tour. I'd like to speak with you about Jesus Christ. And if people would just curse and slam the door, I thought, how wonderful. That's just great because I didn't even have to say anything and I received a blessing in heaven. And go on. You know, it didn't even engage me for the evening. You know, there was my blessing. I had already received it. And how do I know that? Because Jesus just said it. He said, He said, uh, uh, Blessed are you when they insult you. Rejoice and be glad. Weep for joy, or leap for joy, for your reward in heaven is great. Your reward in heaven is great. So when people say things about us because of His name, I mean, if they say things about us because of things that we do for ourselves, then maybe we deserve it. But if we do it based on His name, if we receive that based on His name, it says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. And I still deal with this. I mean, I... Um, you know, sometimes colleagues will make comments and, and, and laugh and say certain things. But, and, and, you know, it'll, it'll ruffle me up sometimes, but not for very long because I come back and I remember this verse. I remember that I will be greatly blessed because of the things that they would, they would say. Jesus takes the whole thing and turns it around. If you bear scorn for His name, you will be greatly blessed. You know, there are things in my career where to this day I am bearing the scorn of the community for things that I've said, just based upon the name of Christ, things that I stand for. There are organizations and academies that they, they won't let me into, and they've told me. I mean, they tell me, not the academy, just academy members in the back rooms, they'll tell me this, that I'm not getting in because of these certain positions. And all I can do when I walk out of that, though I feel crushed, I feel this is going to be great. God is going to do so much more, so much more through my career 
as a result. God is going to bless so much more. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, don't, I, I can't even keep track of all the technologies we have in the air that are going, that we are, we are proceeding on, that any one of these would be a career for people. And we have so many of them. I just received notice that 10% of the intellectual property that Rice owns, so Rice University has been around for 100 years, right? 10% of the intellectual property that they own has come out of my laboratory. And I've only been there 13 years. So, and, and, you know, and, I, and I'm one of more than 10 professors. And, and uh, so, why should this happen? Why should this happen? It's because of this. It is because of this. It is not because of me. No way. No way is it because of me. It's because of this. You bear scorn. People mock your name as evil because of Him. It says, it says, be glad in that day. Leap for joy. Do a dance. Skip around campus. You know, do that, He says. Be happy because your reward in heaven is great. There is so much that you are going to get as a result. When people mock your name and ridicule you because of Jesus, remember, you are greatly blessed. You will be blessed. And the more they say, the more they do, the more you are blessed. And your reward in heaven is great. Great things await you. You know, sometimes I think about this. I don't know if it's evil to think about this, but God has never condemned me. I think about, in heaven, am I going to have a mansion where it says, you know, and this is the room for not getting into this academy. And this is the room for when those men said this to you. you know, what is he going to do? And how is he going to line this thing up? I don't know. But it says your reward in heaven is great. So it must be greater the more we bear scorn for his name. Do you see what I mean? He turns the whole thing around. Let me show you an amazing man. His name was Moses. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. This is an amazing guy, Moses. So remember the story of Moses. He was born, uh, uh, he should have been killed at birth. He should have been uh, uh, killed at birth. That was Pharaoh's commandment. His, it says that his parents did not fear the wrath of the king. They weren't going to allow him to die. But then they, they, were, they would come through and they would kill these children. So the mother floated on the mountain, the reeds, on a, in a little boat. And, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter, who was, had gone down to bathe with her servants, Pharaoh's daughter, that's the king's daughter, finds Moses and sees this little baby and says, this must be one of the children of the Hebrews. And uh, uh, so she raised him as her own, but she needed to have a wet nurse. She needed to have somebody who could nurse the baby. So Moses' older, older sister sees that she says she's looking for a, a wet nurse and, and Moses' older sister says, do you want me to bring somebody? Moses' older sister brings Moses' own mother to nurse Moses. And it's really amazing. But in any case, so Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house. He could have assumed the name totally of Pharaoh's daughter. So let's read about this. Verse 23 of Hebrews 11. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. 
uh, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, he was looking to the reward. I mean, amazing. Amazing. So here's this man, Moses. It says that, by faith Moses, when he... uh, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 24. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So in other words, as a child, he was referred to as Pharaoh's grandson. He could have kept that title. He could have just kept his mouth shut about his origin. About who he was. Very often we are tempted to keep our mouths shut about ourselves being Christians who love God. And we are the ones who lose out. There are times I remember, I was once sitting at a meal with two professors. And there were two professors, I was visiting this university. And one professor was talking about, oh, these Christians, you know, they're doing this and doing that. And I never spoke up. And to this day, I remember that meal that I never spoke up. To this day, I remember it. And that was probably more than 20 years ago. And I don't remember all the times that I have spoken up, but I am ashamed for the time that I didn't speak up in defense of my Lord. This man, it says, when he had grown up, guess what? You are grown up now. You're no longer kids. You are grown up. If you're 18 years old, in my generation, they'd put a gun in your hands and they'd send you out to war. You are grown up. You are grown up now. You, you, you have to do as Moses did. It says, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. This man could have been in the jet set. He could have been in the hood. He could have been on Hollywood Row. You know, I, I don't, I, what, what terms do you use? I mean, he could have been on, on American Idol. You know, he, he could have had everything. It was him, or Dancing with the Stars. You know, his, his background would have caused him to get on Dancing with the Stars. He could have had everything. But it says he refused this. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, which means what? People would say, hey, uh, uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter, don't call me that. I'm a Hebrew. Don't call me that. I'm a Hebrew. That's what the Egyptians referred to the Jews as. I'm a Hebrew. I mean, can you imagine the shock in people's faces? Here's a man who had grown up with all the best scholars in Egypt. You know, the, 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 the children of the king get the best education, the best teachers, the best upbringing. He knew properly how to hold a fork, how to hold a knife, how to you know, dab his mouth after eating. He knew exactly how to do things. As the aristocracy in, 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 in the UK, you know, you see them sitting there waving, and they don't go, they go, you know, they knew how to wave, they know how to wave. Moses knew all of that, but when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. What do you mean the reproach of Christ? That's the reproach of the Messiah. Moses, when these things would come his way, people would go, you're a Hebrew? A stinking Hebrew? Remember, it said Egyptians could not even eat in the same room as a Hebrew. It was disgusting to them to eat with a Hebrew. They wouldn't even eat their food in the same room. It would be like, uh, I don't know, trying to, trying to eat your lunch 
in a cage of monkeys. I mean, be like, oh, gross. Let me just get out of here or something. Or, or just, just whatever, whatever animal you think would be gross, right? I, I know everybody loves monkeys now. So, so uh, all right, a room full of rats, all right? We're, we're allowed to hate rats. Politically correct stuff haven't, haven't protected the rats. Unless they're lab, lab rats, and then we've got to be really good to them. But it, it says that, that um, he considered the reproach of Christ. Moses didn't just bear this in himself. Oh, yes, I'm a Hebrew. Yes. Yes, hit me again, hit me again. No! He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches. He bore this as the reproach of the Messiah. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why? He was looking to the reward. There is a reward for the reproach of Christ. That's exactly what Jesus said. Leap for joy in that day when people mock your name as evil. When you bear something, I remember there was this kid in graduate school, and he went up to the professor. There was going to be this big Christian event on campus, and the professor had scheduled this graduate uh, exam in physical organic chemistry on that night. And he went up to the professor, and he asked the professor if he would change the night of the exam because this big Christian event had been planned. And I saw the professor, who was a Jewish man, lecturing him, saying, I will never change the exam for that. And so, anyway, this kid, who had never gotten a very good grade in graduate school, got the highest grade on the exam, on that exam. You know, you see, God honored him. God honored him. God does this. God does this. He looks and he honors people who will stand for him. This is what Jesus is saying. Okay, let's turn back to Luke. Luke chapter 6. And then Jesus turns it around into woe and He gives the contrary side. Woe to those who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. So in other words, if your riches, if your riches are pulling you away from God so that you have no need of God, as the Bible says, and the rich man says, what have I need of God? My barns are full. He says, woe to you. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn. And weep. Remember, we had seen this in the, in, the, in the Matthew portion where he spoke on the positive side. Blessed are you who mourn now when we mourn for our sin. Blessed are you, he said, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now we're seeing the woe side, which means Jesus said both of these things. One recorder recorded some of the things. Another recorder recorded some of the other things. And it's documented in this way. So Jesus spoke both of the blessing and of the woe. And when Jesus says woe, you better, whoa. I mean, it is a serious thing. You know, these are not just empty words. And he says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. And you know, this gives me comfort. Because how do you get into academies? People in the academy have to bring you in. And, and, and uh, um, you know, it, it's sort of like Groucho Marx used to say, I don't want to be part of any group that would have me. And so, um, but anyway, they, 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 have to, they have to bring you in. And so they don't vote you in if they don't like certain things about it. And they're very comfortable in their own little corner deciding who can get in and be part of their group. You know, you thought this ended in kindergarten? It did not. 
But it says, you get in that group. If all it is, you get in that group because you, you, you shut your mouth about Jesus, it says, woe to you if all men speak well of you. For in the same way they used to speak of the false prophets. This is the words of Jesus. This is the warning that he has. Now let's, let's, let's uh, extend, go further upon this. So look in verse 27. But I say to you here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him. So you see what he's doing. He's taking the law, and he's not just doing it on the external, he's bringing it to the heart. So he he tells us to love our enemies, and to do good to those who hate us. You know, sometimes I look at Christians and I think, how can you be so compassionate? We're Christians who are well-educated, well-trained, will give up their lives to go live in some area of the world just to bless other people, to work in hospitals and clean bedpans for people. I mean, why do people do that? It's because of the love of Christ. Because Jesus has told us to go and to love, to do these things. I mean, it is amazing how people will come and submit to this and how blessed they are. Those are the people who are happiest in the world. It is people who give of themselves who are happiest. And those who stay back and only accumulate things for themselves are miserable. That's what Jesus said. Happy are you when you do these things. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So, you know, it says when when people, when, when you lend, and if people don't give back, if people don't give back, it says, it says, uh, um, give It says in verse 34, If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. You know, if somebody wants to borrow something from you, um, money in particular, so somebody wants to borrow $50 and they say, I'll pay you next week. If you decide to give it to them, that's totally up to you. You can decide to do that. You can decide not to. But if you decide to give it, don't expect it in return, even though they've said they're going to give it back. And I've seen this over and over again. You know, when I give, I have to give, and if people say, you know, I need this, and I'll gladly pay you back. If I expect it back, what's going to happen is, generally, they're not going to be able to give it back, and there's going to be a rift in the relationship. There was a young lady once in a the, in the church a long time ago, not in this church, in another church. And we didn't have much at the time. We were a young couple ourselves, and we had three children. She had two children. And she asked to borrow $100 so she could take her children to the state fair. 
Now, we really wanted to take our children to the state fair, too. Well, we gave her the $100, and she said that her husband was getting paid next week, and she'd pay back. Well, then came the next week, and she said to Shireen, oh, I have the money for you. Well, Shireen didn't say anything, but she never gave it. And then every time we saw her, she would try to not give us eye contact, to the point where she wouldn't speak to us anymore. We never said a word. If you expect back, you're going to break relationships. And this goes especially for family. If you have a brother or sister, or a brother-in-law or sister-in-law, you want to break a relationship, give them money and expect it back. You'll break a relationship because many times you won't get it back. So he says, lend and don't expect to get it in return. If you get it back, fine. And people you know, have asked for money and given them money and they've come back and given it back and then just thankful they give it back, but the expectation was not there. I never said, you don't have to pay back. They said they wanted to borrow money. They would pay back. I never said anything. It says, you, when you give it, don't expect it back. It's different than the world does, right? Banks don't normally do this, you know? Uh, 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 but, but, well, they do it if you borrow a billion dollars. If you borrow a lot and you say, I can't pay, they get very, very worried and they, they sort of you know, cut their losses and they'll take 50 cents on the dollar. But uh, if you borrow a little, you go to jail. Right? If you borrow a lot, they don't want you to go to jail because they want you to be able to pay it back. But in any case, one-on-one, this is actually the way Wall Street works. Uh, one of these days you'll grow up and you'll, well, you graduate. You're grown up. You'll graduate and you'll see that, that, that that's the way this works. Yeah, you're already grown up. All right, so... Um, this, you see what he does is he turns everything on its side. And then he says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Uh, he says, for he himself, in verse 35, is kind to ungrateful and evil men. When it rains, when it rains, it doesn't just rain and provide rain on the Christian farmer's farm. And then right at his, his line there, the rain stops. No. I mean, the evil farmer next to him, it still rains on his lawn, on his, his crops. Why? Because God is, is kind to ungrateful and evil men. And Jesus said, you are to do the same. This is the righteousness of the law. Do you see that the standard that he holds us to is much higher than the standard of just the do this, don't do that of the Old Testament law? The New Testament, he wants a higher standard from us. Now in verse 37, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So this verse is used all the time in terms of giving money. And it has no reference to money. The reference here in verse 38, give and it will be given to you, is in the context of verse 36 and 37, be merciful for your father is merciful, and do not judge and you will not be judged, do not condemn and you will not be condemned, pardon and you will be pardoned. How you pardon, you will receive. It says, you will receive, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You plant one kernel of corn... I don't know how many kernels you get back, but you get a whole stalk, and it must be 10,000 kernels of corn. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. It is never one for one. Never. Sowing and reaping is you sow one apple seed, you get an apple tree that will bear apples for 75 or 100 years. It will bear apples. 
with thousands, hundreds of thousands of apple seeds over those years. That is the principle of sowing and reaping. So, if somebody does something to you and you get all offended, I'm upset with that person. I'm never going to forgive them again. Guess what you just did? You just got a hundred thousand times back of unpardoning from others in your life. A hundred thousand times back of unpardoning. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. If you sow unpardoning, if you sow unforgiveness, if you sow lack of mercy, that is what you will reap. I knew a lady who was uh, uh, always upset with her children. Just always upset. And then she's complaining, my children never come to visit me now that they've grown up. Well, no wonder why. You reap what you sow. This is in the context of don't judge and be kind to others, of pardoning, in the sense that I forgive you. I forgive you. Well, I'll forgive them when they ask for forgiveness. No use in forgiving someone when they don't ask for forgiveness. Oh, really? Did you ask for Jesus' Jesus's forgiveness before He died on the cross for you? No. God gave of Himself to these people and He said, Father, forgive them. Long before they were asking for forgiveness. Here they're hammering the nails in His hands. They're not saying, Oh, Father, forgive me. Oh, Father, forgive me. No. And He looks down at them and He says... Father, forgive them. Forgiveness comes before the person even asks. This is the righteousness, the standard that He holds us to. This is a very high standard that can only be done when the love of God has entered in your heart. I can't explain this to people of the world. Only when the love of God has entered the heart because His Spirit is there to help you. His Spirit is there. To help you to do this. And it says, to the extent that you give, you will get back so much. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So in other words, you know, you give a little bit and you're sitting there and there's all of this and you're like, I can't hold it on. And it just starts running down your lap. This is what you get. This is what you get. I have seen this so many times in people's lives. Those who are givers get back so much more. Those who are generous with their money get more. Those who are generous with their time get time invested back into them. This happens in our lives. I see it in my children's lives. That, that People from this class, people from classes that have gone before you, will invest their time into my children's lives. Giving them tutoring, giving them help with science projects, giving them help with, with different things. And give back into my children's lives, would never think of asking me for a nickel for their service. Why? They're giving back. And what you sow, you also reap. If I know, I know, I, I love my children very much, but I know if I pour out, not just into my children's lives, but into other people's children's lives, I will get back many times over. I will get back. I know that... that um, my son wanted to shadow a, a, a surgeon. I mean, all I had to do was mention it to a friend of mine who's head of, of, uh, head of uh, uh, heart surgery, at, uh, cardiac surgery at St. Luke's. And, you know, Josiah's in there shadowing, watching heart surgeries and lung transplants and heart transplants. Just boom, instantly in. My daughter needed a position for the summer. I mean, just had the judge over for dinner. He's 
offering my, my, my daughter a, a clerk job to work in the federal courthouse. He's a federal judge appointed by Bush 41. I mean, just instantly positions open for them. Why? Because people are, want to give back into my children's lives. What you do, you will receive back many times over. I'm telling you, in heaven, Shireen will have the most abundant kitchen. Her kitchen will be full because that woman has fed thousands upon thousands of people. What you sow, you will reap. You sow mercy, you will reap mercy. If somebody does something to offend you, you say, I forgive you, it's all right. Even before they ask for forgiveness, you sow mercy, you will receive mercy. That you will receive. If you sow hardness and bitterness and hold these things, that is exactly what you will receive running over, pouring into your lap, and you will be buried under that. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Father, I pray that these young people would become generous and giving mercy and sowing pardoning, that they would... uh, do the things that you have called them to do because that is where you said they would be blessed, they would be happy. Father, do this in their lives, I pray. Father, I pray for these students that they would take your word seriously and see the love of God poured into their lives. Father, do great things through their lives, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.